The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, guys, it's Thursday. Tomorrow, we really deep dive streaming, although as you've heard so far this week, we're all kind of dabbling in it, maybe more than dabbling. We got into it pretty good yesterday, but tomorrow is officially streamer primer day. Today is big Wednesday recap day here on Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am your host, Dan Vespers. Thanks, as always, for tuning in as we hit the stretch run here. We are one month and a day from the end of the NBA season, this condensed sprint of a year that started less than four months ago, and we're almost done. This is when it's easy to just throw your hands in the air and say, well, whatever happens, happens. And in fact, you need to force yourself to do the exact opposite. This is when you have to hunker down, carve out time, whether it's in your workday or at night, whatever it happens to be, Carve out that time to really stare at your team. No quick decisions right now. Everything well thought out. And I'll do my best to try to guide you through that. I am Dan Vespers. I think I may have, I may not have said that. I don't remember what I've said. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I would tell everyone once again here at the outset of the show, this is the perfect time to demo a month of the Hoopball Fantasy Pass. I, I mean, I'm telling you guys, it's $4.99, get the Fantasy Pass, pop into our Discord, and you can bug me. Bug me directly for the streaming guide I've made with the help of the great Joe Howard here at Hoopball for the website, for myself, that shows every team's schedule, not organized by week where you have to like switch between weeks because long streaming goes over the week break. We're ahead, man. And those of you that are doing it this way, we are ahead. At some point, the world is going to catch up. I don't know when it's going to be. They always do. Whatever advantages we have, we need to use them while we have them. One of the advantages that I still have in Roto Leagues is really going hard on the averages. And we'll get into that here at some point over the next week or two. Probably, well, maybe today. I don't know. We'll see how long the recap takes. And then on head-to-head, it's long streaming. People don't long stream. As good as people have gotten at regular streaming, most folks biff their moves on a back-to-back or a three games and four nights kind of guy. And that's great and all, but it's not all the way to where folks need to be. The playoffs are more than one week long. Each individual week is great, but you need to be setting yourself up for the following weeks as well. And long streaming allows you to stream additional roster slots. And during the season, the knowledge that you're about to go long streaming allows you to pull off bigger trades to stockpile superstars because you don't need the 13th, 14th, 15th guys on your team. Those are all streaming slots, even in a four moves a week limit scenario. It's not that hard with proper work 
in a four-weekly move head-to-head league to create three streamer slots. We just have to expand our definition of the word streamer. So let's dive into the Wednesday recap. No sense going into this whole, you know, you know they don't call me pedantic for nothing. And that is my Twitter handle for, or the Twitter nickname for a little bit. Milwaukee beat Minnesota in a daytime blowout for the second straight day. The Wolves get ransacked in the afternoon. And they're not a whole lot to take away from this one. Giannis didn't play, maybe because it was a day game. My bet, my guess is he's probably back. I guess it could be tonight, as early as tonight. And it might be. I thought this was why Trey actually sat out on Sunday, but then he missed a game earlier this week as well. I thought maybe with treatment throughout an entire day leading up to an evening game. In any event, as long as Giannis is out, Bobby Portis is a good stream. Nothing else really changes on that Milwaukee side. On the Minnesota side, with Cat out, Nas Reed is an excellent stream. We just have no idea how long Cat's going to be missing. My guess is, at most, one more game. So, do we bother? Probably not. Nas Reed's been racking up fantasy stats when he's on the floor this year, but... Certainly in a head-to-head where you're using up a weekly move, you can't do a Roto games cap. You could potentially, because I think most Roto leagues, you can make your moves for the following day so that not everybody's trying to stay up till midnight and grab a guy at the exact same time. Wolves play tomorrow, for whatever that's worth. Do we think he's going to get decent minutes again? He actually didn't play big minutes in the first cat absence. That was against Brooklyn. He only played 17 minutes in that ball game. So probably pass. I wouldn't worry too much about that. And then at the point guard spot, Ricky Rubio 18 minutes, D'Angelo Russell 23. The blowout did have something to do with that. Rubio is also bad. And he's markedly worse when he doesn't have Cat to throw the ball to. Rubio gets a lot of his damage done working with the team's best offensive player. Still, it's something to monitor. I'm not dropping Ricky after this back-to-back. They got smoked two days in a row. Game wasn't even close by the third quarter. D'Angelo Russell is still on the rise. He's getting his game back. He's getting his minutes back little by little. And that could tip. Make no mistake. We're not, I'm not saying that Ricky Rubio is a guy you actually you absolutely have to hold the rest of the way. But I would give him probably one more game. And then, you know, if you're in a head-to-head playoffs right now, you can probably move along. You can turn that into a streamer slot, for all I care. Brooklyn lost at Philadelphia. They made a pretty good game out of it. Fell way behind and then ended up sneaking back in there for... You gambling folks, the backdoor cover. Bruce Brown did end up being a pretty good stream in this ballgame, as expected. Kyrie came back. KD went out. There's plenty of news, actually, surrounding Brooklyn, so we'll break all of that down. DeAndre Jordan, back in the mix. Nicholas Claxton, back in the mix, because LaMarcus Aldridge retired this morning due to an irregular heartbeat stemming from a rare illness, uh, the name of which I've now forgotten since earlier this morning, uh, it's a, a three-name thing. I don't know. It's not super important that we get the name of the illness right. Uh, Wilson, Winston Carter Wright or something like that. I don't really matter. Uh, so LaMarcus is done, which is uh, an end of a very good NBA career. And for fantasy purposes, takes a guy off the board that was actually putting up fantasy stats with his new team. This... Now, Blake Griffin is not going to be playing in back-to-backs, so that is semi-off the table. And then Jeff Green is also in the mix. 
Although with KD out, they can slide Green down and mostly play power forward. So that allowed Claxton and DeAndre Jordan basically to split the center minutes in this ballgame. Uh, Jordan did play about... Jordan got 26, Claxton was closer to 22, so not a direct split, but it was a better matchup for DJ with Joel Embiid on the other side. Not that it was a good matchup for anyone, but Embiid did shoot under 50%, so I guess you can call that a miniature win in the ballgame. Am I picking up DeAndre Jordan? I am not! Although I do think he probably has a lot of energy after basically not playing for two or three weeks, I'm still not picking him up. His fantasy game is not where it needs to be. He's not going to play 26 minutes every night. When Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin are in, that just mushes more front quarters into a bigger logjam. Claxton will see less. Jordan sees less playing time. Jeff Green would see less because KD's going to play 30 minutes at power forward. And so this team ends up sort of circling right back around to where they were before, which is Kyrie, obviously, KD, obviously, Harden when he's back, and then Joe Harris, who had a bad ball game but was actually coming off a pretty darn good one, he's the extra guy. The center position is a mess with or without LaMarcus Aldridge in the mix. The only nice thing was that when LaMarcus was playing, he was a fantasy value. You guys have told me that I often lose sight of who I'm talking about, so quick recap on this one. Brooklyn, don't bother. That's the short version with anything going on at the center spot now that LaMarcus Aldridge is out. No. Cleveland beats Charlotte. The You knew the injuries were eventually going to catch up with the Hornets. They ended up needing a few more injuries, apparently, for it to officially now catch up with them. But this is where you're at. And this is how it happens with teams. You lose a key player. Everybody else can kind of pick it up for a little bit. And then they run out of gas. Especially with all these games mashed into the second half this year speedy second half of the schedule Charlotte's just gonna be a little bit tired not that they haven't had a few guys putting up some decent numbers Terry Rozier came back he had a really big ball game and continues what has been one of the best late round fantasy seasons of the year Miles Bridges is streaming along with Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball out Devontae Graham Bad field goal percent crept up in this one, but he's been good lately. Jalen McDaniels has also been solid with everybody hurt for this team, that including now P.J. Washington, also on the shelf. I thought Cody Zeller would do more. He only played 19 and a half minutes. He had a fine fantasy game, actually. 10 and 7 to assist, 5 of 6 shooting. You'll take that. But Bismack Biombo getting 23 minutes again. Jalen McDaniels to slid him up to play a little bit of center in this matchup. I think you can leave the Zeller stuff alone as it all turns out but you know not the worst stream in the world to get 10 and 7 you'll you'll take it I guess but it was less than what we wanted we knew Caleb Martin would disappear when Terry Rozier came back and as guys return for this team you're gonna see people pushed out PJ Washington comes back Jalen McDaniels is gonna suffer from that one Gordon Hayward and or LaMelo Ball come back whenever the hell that might be if at all then you really start to see things get shaking around a little bit but for now Rozier obviously Graham yes Bridges yes Jalen McDaniels yes that's as far as I'm going Cleveland got not one but two centers back on the same night Larry Nance Jr. and Jared Allen each returned Allen from his concussion he played 30 minutes Larry Nance from a two-week battle with presumably uh, inflammatory bowel stuff Apparently he lost close to 20 pounds, so just didn't have much in the way of strength, but did play 20 minutes, had four steals, and they'll slowly move his minutes up as he gets his conditioning and strength back. This is not an indicator of how many minutes Larry Nance is going to play going forward, because Torian Prince, who had a big ball game, 
he'll be dialed back little by little. Uh, you'll see Isaac Okoro play less. Dean Wade will play less. Isaiah Hartenstein still got 13 minutes and was pretty good in them, actually, but that's not going to stick. And then the guys that are likely to hang on, Kevin Love, who's been better lately, 27 minutes, 17 and 11 in this ballgame. That's nice. Uh, Darius Garland. No Colin Sexton, by the way, in this ballgame. So that would also push Okoro probably up to the small forward spot and slide Dean Way to the bench, if I had to guess. Who is the who got who needs to be rostered on this team? Well, I think you could say Torian Prince is a streamer for now. And even that's a little bit dicey. Love, yes. Garland, yes. Sexton, yes. Nance and Allen, yes. Okoro, no. Hartenstein, no. We Wade, no. Is that better? We'll try to do that when I'm talking about a bunch of guys on the same team. Spurs! What the hell, man? How do you lose this one? They just, their heart wasn't in it, I guess. Doesn't matter. Over on the Toronto side, they rested everybody, and you got the sort of weirdo Siakam OG and who? But let's break it down, because it's actually important. Freddie Van Fleet apparently expected back in their next ball game. Sounds like Kyle Lowry might also be back in their next ball game, which means Malachi Flynn is probably done temporarily. I don't know. You know, the Raptors are, are an enigma wrapped in an enigma wrapped in a delicious candy shell. I have no idea if they really still want to compete. The Bulls being in a complete and utter free fall has certainly been a boon for teams like the Raptors and the Wizards and even the Cavaliers who are somehow not eliminated from playoff contention at 14 games under 500. The Bulls have lost four games in a row, including some bad ones, and we'll get to that here in just a minute when we recap that Wednesday card. But the Raptors, despite going 4-6 and six in their last 10 ballgames, have actually gained ground. The Wizards, 5-5 five and five in their last 10, they're storming up the ranks. They're actually tied with the Raptors. Game back of Chicago for that 10th and final play-in spot. And the Cavs are only a game back of the Raptors and Wizards. So there really are now four teams fighting for the last play-in playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. The West is a little bit less interesting. The Spurs, the Warriors, and you could maybe say the Pelicans are all sort of kind of in. But the Spurs have been slumping. Pels are not very good, so it's not like they're doing their best to gain ground. The Kings have fallen apart completely. The Thunder, Rockets, and Wolves are in tank mode, so you don't have to worry about them. So the West is a little bit less weird. The only thing you monitor in the Western Conference is the Mavericks are trying to get out of that 7th seed. They don't want to have to deal with the play-in tournament, so that'll push the Blazers. The Grizzlies are going to have a tough time getting out of the play-in realm. They're uh, three and a half games back of Portland for the 6th seed. So, yeah, it really comes down to the Grizz, the Warriors, and the Spurs maintaining and keeping the Pelicans on the outside looking in. Not sure what that has to do with what we're talking about in fantasy, but that's where we got to. Spurs, um, you know, generally an ugly ball game. Patty Mills had one of his explosions off the bench, but who gives a crap? On the Toronto side, Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, those guys are good to go. Lowry and Van Vliet, when they are back, are good to go. Gary Trent Jr. sat this one out, and you guys know my feelings on him. He's a points league guy. And Chris Boucher started this game and played power forward and small forward and not a ton of center. Kem Birch was basically the center for the Raptors in the ball game, uh, in this particular ball game. But again, 
You know, let's assume Aaron Baines just isn't playing. We don't have to worry about him. Freddie Gillespie is actually really good as the backup front court guy, but he's not going to see enough minutes to be fantasy relevant every night. So Boucher is a go. He's going to play enough. Might not be every night, but he's going to play enough in general. And this is sort of a weird game for him. He had five turnovers, but no blocks. 12 and 12 with a couple of three balls. Yeah, you'll take it. Malachi Flynn's about to get pushed out. If the Raptors fall back, then Malachi Flynn becomes a guy you retarget at that point. Trent is a points league guy. Birch is the one I'm watching right now. The question I have isn't whether he's going to blow the doors off the building, because he's not. He's not going to see enough time to make that happen. And even when he's out there, you know, it's going to be all hustle stats. But as everybody comes back for the Raptors, Trent, Lowry, and Van Vliet, missing three starters in this ballgame, what does that do? Does that push Boucher back to the bench and Siakam is the starting center? Does it push Gary Trent to the bench as, as sort of your Norman Powell gunner role? And then where does Birch fit in? If Boucher is now the backup center, is there enough, as the expression goes, meat on the bone to get Birch in there for 25 minutes at power forward and center? I doubt it. Having three guys that all play 30 north of 30 minutes out for this ball game really clouds the results. So don't go nuts. Don't do the Malachi Flynn dance because things are about to get ugly for him. Maybe they do again get better down the line. Hang on to Boucher. Don't race out to pick up Birch. This game was bad data. Start using that more on the podcast. Clippers beat the Pistons, who just, oh, shame, let this one slip away. Jeremy Grant did play 36 minutes in his, and in a more efficient ball game as well. He, he wasn't horrible from the field. He's really settled into, I mostly just want to score at this point, and that's fine. His team is bad. Mason Plumley had foul issues early. Isaiah Stewart had foul issues later, and that all just balanced out to both guys playing about 21, 22 minutes. Jaleel Okafor took the other five and a half center minutes. And if you want to get any kind of indicator of whether a team is tanking or not, you just figure out if they're playing Jaleel Okafor. And that's not really fair, I guess, but Pistons don't want to win. They want to compete. They want everybody to learn, but they don't really want to win. Killian Hayes played 25 minutes. That was something. Hamadou Diallo played only 18. That's also something. Josh Jackson played only 21. That's also something. Dwayne Casey's really, he's trying to figure out a way to make sure they don't accidentally win ball games while also getting guys some run, but not too much. So what does that mean for us, for we, the fantasy community? Well, Jeremy Grant is still a go. Sadiq Bey is still your three-point streamer, specialist type. Mason Plumlee's still starting at center, but we're going to find out later on this week whether he's going in back-to-backs. He didn't for parts of last week, but was that a blip because he was dealing with something, or is that how it's going to be the rest of the way? Then we'll know if he's worth picking up. Corey Joseph's minutes were back down in this ballgame. Admittedly, he wasn't shooting the ball very well, but I do think some of that had to do with the fact that the game was too damn close. <laughs> He's been better for them lately. Crazy though it may seem, he was a very bad option in Sacramento. Not that trading him has made any difference for them, uh, but he's a better option here with the Pistons because he's a stabilizer on a young team that doesn't have really many or any of those. 
So I think you can probably still use Plumley at least for the short term, until we get a feel for what's gone with those back-to-backs. Grant, probably the two guys you can start on a night-to-night basis, and no one else is really all that trustworthy. Pistons are in the, uh, the midst of a good scheduling spurt, but no one is playing enough consistent minutes to say, I'm a guy that needs to be streamed right now. Like, Stewart, who was better in this ballgame, but lately has not been up to stream level. Hayes, no, because he's sitting out back-to-backs. Diallo, low minutes. Corey Joseph has actually been the closest, but then he has these 23-minute duds blended in with some better ball games, and so that makes him hard to trust, too. Clippers will probably have uh, Marcus Morris and Paul George back for their next ball game. We do not yet know the status of Kawhi Leonard. If he sits out another one, I'd probably still roll with Nick Batum. I know he wasn't as good in this one, but he was coming off a couple of really nice streamer performances, and I'll assume this was the outlier. But I'll also hope that Kawhi is back. I have him in multiple places, and this is not a good time to be day-to-day. Not much you can do there. The Knicks beat the Pelicans, 116-106. New York is on the move right now. Big streamer-level game from Alec Burks, but you're not going to pick that up. Derrick Rose was a little better. He played 28 minutes. That was a good sign. His efficiency wasn't there, but I liked seeing the 14 shots. I liked seeing the four assists. Everybody gets better numbers against the Pelicans, so I guess we can't read too much into it. Nerlens Noel was a late scratch, so Taj Gibson got the start, and he's absolutely stream-ready if we find out Nerlens is going to miss any additional time. And Reggie Bullock, he's been above the fray. I need to give credit where credit's due. I have been uh, not kind enough to Reggie Bullock. And I'm not over-pronouncing his name. His last name actually is Bullock. It's not Bullock. Got to give it the full ock treatment. Got to go Doc Ock on Reggie. He's number 165 on the year, so that doesn't really jump out at you. He's number 70 over the last month. That's 14 games. 12 points, 3 boards, 1.5 assists, 1.3 steals, 3 three-pointers. Has not missed a free throw in that month. Hasn't taken many, about 10, I think. But whatever, he'll take 10 for 10. And he's shooting 46% with most of his stuff coming from downtown. That's good stuff. That's like what you wanted from Duncan Robinson this year, and you're getting it from Reggie Bullock instead. Don't overlook guys like this. I know he's boring, but Thibodeau loves him. He's the, he's their small forward. Alec Burks, Derek Rose, those guys are fighting for scraps right now behind Alfred Payton, as they should be. R.J. Barrett saw a little bit of the short end of the stick because Rose and Burks were playing better in this ballgame. I don't think either of those guys is a pickup yet. Burks or Rose, I mean. Gibson, Stream, Bullock. Yeah, start him. He's been good. I get it. Next thing you're like, well, Dan, you know, I got to look at the scheduling situation. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, Nick's schedule isn't too terrible. They got four in six days starting tomorrow in Dallas. Then it gets bad. Then it gets real bad. They've got three games over, I think, about 11 days in there. That's not right. Three games over 10 days. Whatever. Still pretty close. And then their schedule picks back up again from about May 2nd to the end of the year. So, you know, everybody on the Knicks is a little bit of a stream right now because... Their playoff schedule stinks. Next week and the week after, they're a mess. Three games each of those two weeks. Blech. Oh, well. But if you're in a games cap, Bullock is good to go. Hey, James Johnson. 
Didn't need to miss any time. That surprised the hell out of me. I thought for sure with him leaving the previous game with a sore wrist, that meant he was going to need a day off. But no, and he stepped right back into a really nice role, actually. 28 minutes off the bench, forward, center, just sort of big man minutes, but as largely a do-everything facilitator type. 13 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, a steal, 2 blocks, a 3-pointer, made his free throws. 4 for 10 from the field. Take 10 shots, that's actually kind of exciting. Shots probably go down for a Johnson if or when Lonzo Ball ever gets back. But you guys know I have a weird soft spot for James Johnson as the guy who always should have been the much more impressive fantasy player and never really quite put it all together. This stretch, and he had a stretch with Minnesota last year also, where and this is almost like as close as he's gotten to putting it together in this veteran role where he's getting steals and getting blocks. And the beauty part is no one's picking him up because he has these numbers that are sort of artificially depressing his value right now. Things that you know are not consistent, like the injury mid-ball game. So his minutes per game number is being dragged down by a 15-minute game in between a stretch of 28, 29, 33, 26, 27, 32, 33, 15, 28. So that, not something that's going to hold. He's shooting something like 39% over the last couple of weeks. Career 48 percenter. So that's not going to hold. He's 46% with Dallas this year. He's 43 with New Orleans. That'll come up. His shot selection hasn't really changed all that much. In fact, his three-pointers are dropping right now. Better than his career mark. He's just not missing. He's missing his twos. Free throw percent is more or less where it's at. He's about a 70% or over his career. So it is 28 minutes per game with New Orleans. He's at 10, 4, and 3, 1.1 steals, 1.4 blocks, and one three-pointer. That's not all that far off where he would be. His career numbers, he's at, he plays about 20 minutes, 21 minutes a game over his career. So you extrapolate that, you add some 40% to his career numbers, and he's where he's at. I mean, you might actually see steals go up and blocks come down ever so slightly, but everything else is pretty attainable. You might even see rebounds go up a little bit, although, you know, you got Zion, Steven Adams, Brandon Ingram, those guys are all sort of chewing away at rebounds in front of him. So I actually like James Johnson a lot. If you adjust his field goal percent, and that's really the number here, from 41 lately up to 46 or 47, and you eliminate that 15-minute injury game, He's definitely inside the top 100. Those numbers put up long-term with a better field goal percent are inside the top 100 numbers. 1-1-1 guy. And 1.1 or more in each of them. So, you know, nothing nothing shabby other than the three-pointers. So I like James Johnson. Put him on your list here. I, I think he deserves to be rostered and probably started in perhaps all nine-category formats. Head-to-head, Roto, whatever. The only thing you look at again is, what does the schedule look like? And they pretty much go every day from now until eternity. (laughs) That's not really true. Their schedule next week is not that great, admittedly. Uh, They have games Friday, tomorrow, and Sunday this week. And uh, then they're Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday next week. So things are... It's every other day until April the 28th, at which point they actually do have a stretch of five games and seven nights. So that's a pretty good spot. If you're waiting to use James Johnson, that's where you can kind of target it. 
Or if you're in a GameScap format, just do it now. We're not moving very fast. Orlando at uh, Chicago. I kind of knew that was going to happen today, so I didn't want to get too much into the streamer stuff until tomorrow. Orlando beats Chicago. What? Wendell Carter Jr. Revenge. Sweet revenge game. The rest of these guys, I don't know what the... I don't know what the freaking impetus was to play so well, but they did. Orlando was really good. Chicago continues to be quite bad. And there's stuff to analyze on both sides of this ballgame. First, Chicago. Thaddeus Young played only 14 minutes in this game. That hurts my heart. Daniel Tice was excellent off the bench in 27 minutes. He's pretty close. I'm going to call Tice a streamer at this point. I don't think he can get quite up and over the hump as a power forward behind Vooch and Thad. And there will be games like this one where it gets there. But Larry Markin is also fighting for those minutes, and that will cut into it from time to time. So you want to use a guy like Tyson head-to-head -head when you can pile up stats from him quickly. And Chicago is in a, a decent scheduling block right here in that they go really starting tomorrow. They got five and seven games starting tomorrow. That jumped out at me, didn't it? So Chicago guys are good to grab. They got a game against Memphis... Tomorrow night, Friday night, Memphis, Cleveland, Boston, and then Cleveland, Charlotte again. So pretty good opponents as well. Only one of those five teams, five games, I should say, might have a little bit of defense in it, and that's Cleveland. Boston, eh, maybe. I think they're really more of a scoring team anyway these days. And then Charlotte, lots of possessions. Memphis, lots of possessions. Anywho. Um, so, yeah, Chicago's about to move into a pretty good streaming situation. So head-to-head, -head, folks, take note. Daniel Tice has been interesting. Sato is worth streaming with five and seven days. Thad, I'd th I'd stream Thad in with five and seven days. Kobe White is is dead to all of us. He's he's useless at this point. And then Patrick Williams is actually probably worth streaming on a five and seven day situation because he's been doing quietly, not really super useful stuff, but he's got this nice floor because he's playing a whole bunch. And if you look at his ball games, there are some real fat duds mixed in there, but at least he's gotten. Over his last four games, he's basically done nothing other than get steals. And you just hope that if you stream him for five games, you get a couple where he actually puts the ball in the hoop a few times. So like maybe a couple of 10s and 11s in the scoring column, four or five boards, one and a half assists. If you do that five times over seven days, that probably gets you inside the top 100 over a five-day span. But he's barely, barely, because his fantasy game stinks. But yeah, Thad, I'm still I'm still okay with with holding on to Thad a little bit longer. You got to give him a little bit more rope. Orlando is the other side of the coin. They're in a not that great scheduling situation. They play Friday, Sunday. They only have three games next week. Their schedule really doesn't ever improve. Orlando's kind of past that, but for one tiny little pocket, the 25th through the 1st of May, they do have one five and seven days remaining. So if you're targeting Magic, you're probably targeting them. This is head-to-head. -head, Sunday of next week. Long time from now. Ten days from today. If you're looking, games cap, Wendell Carter Jr. is a go. Chuma Okiki, I know he's been quieter lately. He's a go. Terrence Ross has been quiet lately. He also is a go. I'm going to give you no's now. No to James Ennis. No to Michael Carter-Williams. Heaven forbid he gets to the free throw line. No to Cole Anthony, because apparently he and Michael Carter-Williams are just in a timeshare. No to R.J. Hampton. 
You may have noticed I left one name off the list. And that is Gary Harris, who, for the first time in a long while, is not like eighth in the scoring pecking order. He's not going to play in back-to-back, so head-to-headers, you can just you can just dump him. You don't have to worry about this part of the discussion. You can fast forward by 45 seconds. Roto Games Cap, folks, take note. And I don't think you need to pick him up after one decent ball game. Not even a great ball game, but a decent one. 15 points, two boards, six assists, and a block. And Gary Harris has certainly had his chances. Denver, this year, he was averaging 31 minutes a game and didn't make 10 points. Nine and a half points, two and a half rebounds. I mean, he was really doing nothing with his 31 minutes on the floor. The year before, last year, cut short, 32 minutes a game, 10 and three. Still wasn't really doing it, but he was at least a little bit closer. Year before that, 2018, 2019. Almost 13, three and two. That was pretty damn close. Year before that, 17, 18, that was the good Gary. That was sort of the last we saw of good Gary. 17 and a half points, two and a half rebounds, three assists, 1.8 steals, and 2.3 three pointers on 13.6 shots per game. His usage has gone straight down into the toilet since then. But, but, and Orlando is likely going to be trying to lose some games here down the stretch, so that's something to keep in mind as well. But, if the Magic really are considering playing Gary Harris over 30 minutes a ball game, I think you're going to get an iteration of Gary Harris that's not the eight and a half shots per game. Denver behind Jokic, behind Murray, behind Barton, behind Michael Porter Jr. lately, behind everybody. He just, he wouldn't take a shot unless he was wide open. And you don't have that luxury in Orlando because the other guys on your team kind of stink. And suddenly Gary Harris on this roster, you could make the argument he's the second best player on the team. You could make the argument he's the best player on the team. I wouldn't, but you could. He's probably the best defender on the team. I don't know if there's anybody even close. And the best defender on a team, no matter the team, usually gets to play. He took 10 shots in 30 minutes in this one. They spread the wealth around. 16 for Wendell Carter Jr., 13 for T. Ross, 12 apiece for Michael Carter-Williams and James Ennis, and then 10 Chuma Akiki and Gary Harris. Keep an eye on Gary. As we mentioned, they don't play all that often coming up here, but they do play again tomorrow in Toronto. Another high-paced than Houston, Atlanta, New Orleans. They actually have a lot of really fast-paced games coming up. I would love to know what the plan is with Gary Harris. Now, even if he gets good again, the stat set wouldn't be for everybody. You'd be getting a heavy dose of steals. Threes, free throw percent would be good for him. He might end up actually being better in points leagues if he's actually getting usage. But keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on him as someone with a little bit of upside. If somehow he's like, you know what, I'm going to go and be aggressive for the first time in four years. In case you guys forgot the recap, Ross, Okiki, Wendell Carter Jr. Those are the guys that are on for Orlando Everybody else is no, and then Harris is a watch. Warriors blew out the Thunder, who at this point really aren't even trying anymore. I love the Draymond Green at center, Warriors. That's so much better. 
Kevon Looney, 22 center minutes. The other 26 for Dre. And he had 12 points, 10 boards, 16 assists, 3 steals, and 2 blocks. Remember the last time Wiseman was out and Draymond was like basically a second rounder? Well, Kent Bazemore Stream City is fun. Keep him going because it sounds like Oubre is going to miss another ball game. And then Steph, for the 19th time in his career, had 10 or more three-pointers in a ball game. Oh, I'm so upset I don't have more Steph Curry's on my fantasy teams. He's number two. He's number two in nine cat this year, and we knew that was coming. I think I only had one really early pick in all of my money leagues, and I foolishly ended up with, well, not that foolishly, but Anthony Davis. Who, by the way, thanks to everybody else leveling off over the course of the year, Anthony Davis is actually number 12 on a per-game basis now. He wasn't even playing that well. Maybe this off time will help Anthony Davis in his, if he plays his last three weeks, but that's not the point. Steph is amazing. He's at five three-pointers a game again. Dame is at four. CJ McCollum was the only other guy that was close, and he's at four now also. So Steph pulling away. What a monster, man. What an absolute behemoth that dude is. He's shooting 49% from the field on 21 shots a game, 93% at the free throw line. Stud, man. He's the only person in the league that's even within striking distance of Nikola Jokic in overall value this year. Actually, believe it or not, uh, Vooch is also within striking distance thanks to playing in all 55 of his team's games. Steph missed a couple. Womp womp. So yeah, keep streaming Baysmore. That's probably the Golden State news. On the Oklahoma City side, that's two good games in a row now for Moses Brown. Maybe he's starting to settle into the NBA a bit more. So this is a good time to ride that. Darius Baisley, we saw good Darius in this one after very bad Darius in the previous ball game. And, you know, such is the, the thunder at this point. Lou Dort was rested on the back-to-back. No surprise there. I want a Shea update. Today's the day. We're supposed to get something, I think, today or tomorrow on Gilgis Alexander because with a lot of us going into the playoffs or in them already, he's been taking up an IL slot, and we might need that for someone else. Isaiah Roby came back, played 28 minutes as the starting power forward. I don't really want any of these guys besides Moses Brown. Maladone, his percentages stink. Roby just sort of not doing enough, too low a usage. Baisley's percentages stink. Dort's percentages stink. You could make a Dort and Baisley case for points leagues, and maybe you could make a Maladone case for points leagues. But category leagues, I wouldn't even sniff them. And Oklahoma City, uh, their schedule is, you're actually kind of in the middle of it right now. You needed to get someone OKC back on the 13th, which is Tuesday of this week. That was your pickup day for them. They run a decent schedule through Monday of next week, and then they have just two games over the following six days before a 5-7. and seven. So you're in a Thunder run right now, and if you want to stream Thunder again, your day to do it would be Monday the 26th. Something to keep in mind, the five-game week. Everybody's going to be looking at that. But don't worry, we long stream. We know where those 5-7s and sevens pop up even when it's not starting on a Monday. So eat it, universe. Indy beat Houston. Very high-scoring game. Holy crap, were there a lot of possessions in this one. Believe it or not, the Rockets at 124 points actually underachieved the pace. They should have been at 130 with as fast as this ballgame was going. Indy uh, actually overachieved a little bit. They had a lot of turnovers but made a ton of shots. That's sort of balanced out, I guess. 
They were over by about eight or nine points. Jeremy Lamb had a good ball game. This was a weird one, a very difficult game to figure out. Still no Miles Turner, although it sounds like he's questionable, so not that far off right now. TJ McConnell's been solid of late. Brogdon, Lavert, Sabonis, those are the easy ones. I thought Justin Holiday would do a little bit more with guys missing, particularly here, Doug McDermott, who might be back for the next ballgame, which, again, makes this a difficult spot to say, oh, yeah, you got to go do something with this because you're kind of already in it with Indy also. They were another team that started the 5-7 and seven on Tuesday. We talked about that on the podcast. And then their schedule gets pretty clunky until May 5th where they have another five and seven or if you want to pass on that one and your league goes to the end of the year Indy actually has a five game last week of the season a bunch of teams do believe it or not so no I'm not picking up Jeremy Lamb which is unfortunate because I like Jeremy Lamb I just think Doug McDermott comes back and ruins the fun but he Justin Holiday, even McDermott those guys are all stream bull when you catch him on a five and seven Houston start the starters you guys know how I feel about this ball club. Start the starters. Kelly Olynyk. wow, has he been good with this team. Christian Wood, actually looking like he's caring again. That's really nice and useful for those of us that have him in the playoffs. John Wall, he'll sit out back-to-backs, but he's playing okay, actually. And he's just, he's getting all he can out of this year right now. Jay Sean Tate, you start him. And uh, Kevin Porter Jr., you start him as well. Dallas at Memphis. Luca with the craziest game winner I've seen in a long, long time. Go look up the video on that one. Sadly for Dallas, nothing changes on the fantasy side. They are a two-horse machine. Yes, I saw Jalen Brunson almost had a triple-double. No, I don't care. Memphis, Grayson Allen is on a heater right now. I still think he's more stream level, as actually a lot of guys are on Memphis. The start guys on Memphis are JV and slow-mo right now. And you could make the argument that Ja is startable, although I don't know that you have to. He's number 185 in nine-category leagues. Like, legit, guys, not close to value throughout this entire season. Now you guys are going to kill me for this, but I think Ja Morant should be a streamable spot on your team. He's a little more valuable in head-to-head because he can pile up those counting stats, but hurting you in percentages, doesn't hit threes, doesn't get steals, doesn't get blocks, turns it over a lot. It's a lot of down arrows. Slow-mo I like. JV I like. Dylan Brooks, he plays a lot of minutes, but he's more of a points league type of guy. In category leagues, I think uh, Brooks, Clark, Morant, Allen, all of those guys you put in the streamer bucket. Does Memphis have a good stretch coming up? Yeah, they've got one on starting on Sunday of next week. I love that. I love being able to make a move at the end of one week that carries through most of the following week preserving early week moves for the next week of your playoffs. So yeah, I would say you could target some Grizzlies on the 25th of April as a nice way to close out a week. Wizards beat the Kings. Kings were without Rashawn Holmes. Hassan Whiteside and Damian Jones split the center minutes. Whiteside got 23, and that's more than enough for Hassan to have value. In fact, he would have had a bigger line if not for going two for five at the foul line. 12 and nine, a steal, four blocks. Stream them. I think Rashawn Holmes is out for a couple of ball games. I bet he misses a week. So if you can get another two or three games out of Whiteside, and this is really more for the games capped folks because the Kings schedule also sucks basically the rest of the way. The Kings don't really have a nice streaming pocket from now until the end of the season. They have one of the worst schedules in the NBA from now until the end just because of how everything is spaced out. So you do have some four-game weeks mixed in there, 
but they don't have any five and sevens. They have a back-to-back with Minnesota Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. Those will probably be some high-scoring, fun ones. But then they're off for three days. So there's just no, there's no clustering. Every time they have a back-to-back, there is some space in between. I need clustered games. Roto Games Cap, though, fire them up. Fire them up. I can't believe DeLon Wright isn't getting consistent playing time on this Kings team. Try something, you idiot Luke Walton. Kings had 17 steals. Wizards had 24 turnovers and lost. Kings, excuse me, had 17 steals and lost. Wizards had 24 turnovers and won. Westbrook continues to play well lately. Beal was uh, solid, if unspectacular. Davis Bertans banging in three-pointers these days. Minutes were down, but he got his shots off. I guess that's something. Daniel Gafford was the guy we were watching. Minutes still at 16. I called him on a show last week, or last, yesterday? Wednesday or Tuesday, I can't remember. I called him one of the most over-rostered players in fantasy. He just got picked up everywhere because his per-minute stuff was really good. But his minutes aren't moving. Alex Len, Robin Lopez, Daniel Gafford, they all played between 13 and a half and 17 minutes yesterday. So, yeah, nah, man, nah. Bertans is your streamer level guy on that team. And Rui is also. Games cap, no thanks. They have a 5 and 7 that starts on the 25th also, by the way. That continues with an additional 5 and 7 that starts on the 30th. You missed the first one. Second half of the season, man, it's crazy right now. Denver beat Miami. If you're looking for injured star theory stuff, we talked a little bit about that on the Charlotte side. They played well for a week or two when their stars went down. Denver played well with Jamal Murray going down. Nikola Jokic triple-doubled. Michael Porter Jr., 25-10. and 10. P.J. Dozier decided he needed to be the step-up man coming off the bench for 15. Michael Green had 17 off the bench. Denver shot 54%. Just a nice offensive game for the Nuggets. Aaron Gordon, 16-9-3. They're going to need him to do a little bit more. I thought Will Barton would have a better ball game, but he just out to lunch, and maybe that's the Jimmy Butler effect. Uh, Denver, as far as who you can use here going forward, this game was kind of clouded the numbers a little bit because you got all these big bench performances, but Jokic and Porter Jr., obviously. Aaron Gordon and Will Barton are, are guys that I do think also stay above the cut line. Monty Morris, Facundo Campazzo, streamers streamer level so and when i say stream i mean game played maximize games play denver they got a five and seven that starts on the 23rd friday of next week take note that's actually really useful because a lot of the five and sevens that start tomorrow end in time where you're going to need another one on a friday it's a way you should be plotting your long streaming for your playoffs on the Heat side, Kendrick Nunn, better in this one. 16-4, steel block, couple of three-pointers. He's a very nice head-to-head stream type of guy. Tyler Harrow probably also falls into that department. Duncan Robinson definitely falls into that department. And somehow, lately, Trevor Reza has also fallen into that department. Miami is on a back-to-back 5-7. and seven. We've talked about that earlier this week. Uh, so you missed the first one. If you're thinking about picking up a Heat, do it on Sunday. That's your moment that'll carry you through Saturday of next week. Okay, that was a very long breakdown. So uh, I'm going to jump over promo on this one. As we just found out that apparently Zach Levine is uh, 
in health and safety protocols and is likely to miss multiple games. So I guess that changes our breakdown on the Bulls. And, oh, that's a shot to the gut on one of my fantasy teams. Uh, so Kobe White, I guess, is a guy you can hold now. That changes that. We'll see who steps up. Woj noting in his tweet that uh, he's expected to miss several games. So we don't know if that means it's a positive test or if it's a definite exposure. If it's a definite exposure, he could be back in a week. Negative testing. If it's a positive test, he might miss the whole fantasy playoffs. So that's it. That sucks. Short uh, look ahead here on this Thursday card. Um, I do want to once again mention, by the way, thank you to everybody that's reached out on our recruiting here on the podcast. I want to throw that out there again. If you guys are interested in making the leap, you want to be a fantasy analyst, DFS or full season, and are ready to put in the time to make this thing special, hit me up at Dan Bespris on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. That's the only promo I'm doing on today's show. Tomorrow you'll have plenty. Don't worry. Milwaukee, Atlanta, Bucks favored by four on the road. Either that means both Giannis and Trey Young are out, or they're both in, if I'm reading the line properly. If Trey's in, Brandon Goodwin disappears over on the Atlanta side. If Giannis is in, then Bobby Portis goes back to that bench gunner role that he had before. Warriors are in Cleveland on the back-to-back. The Draymond at center stuff has been really nice. We'll see if anybody gets held out on the Cavs side and what the health status is of Colin Sexton as well. I hope that all those guys play, but there isn't a whole lot to track there other than kind of who's a streamer-level guy. Sacramento at Phoenix. Does anybody sit out this brutal back-to-back? They had that game with Washington late last night uh, in Sacramento. They now fly. I mean, that's a good hour-and-a-half, two-hour flight, Sacramento to Phoenix. It's like an hour and a half, I guess. Um, get in pretty late. That's a tough one, man. Kings have been terrible lately. Line reflects it. Phoenix favored by 12 and a half. Hassan Whiteside is your guy to watch on the Kings side. Not much else there. And then Boston and LA, the Lakers. I think we have a pretty good idea what's going on with them. You can probably roll Drummond out there. Schroeder is a go, and that's about it for me on LA. And then with Boston, Robert Williams added to the injury report. Questionable tag. If he's out, you'd get a whole lot of Tristan Thompson because there's really much else you can do. And against Andre Drummond on the other side, you can't really go too small. You try to spread the floor, but you just get obliterated on the glass at that point. And it's a really short Thursday. They're just, you know, we're in one of those pockets again where the tanking teams are doing it by playing everybody 20 minutes. So the young guys haven't really exploded onto the scene yet. And that's why we're doing a lot of streamer level monitoring. And that is what we're going to break down on tomorrow's show. It's going to be a long one, so saddle up for the Friday weekend edition. We're going to be going through, really it'll be kind of different. We'll, we'll quickly recap the Thursday games, but I, you know, I want to do that on tomorrow's show in maybe five minutes max. And then I want to go through pretty much every team in the NBA and look at their schedule between now, well, tomorrow, and the end of the season and start plotting out when guys on those teams are viable and which ones are viable. So it's going to be a big one tomorrow. Sit tight on that. Hopefully, uh, you guys will enjoy it. It's very much geared towards the head-to-head crowd. But you know what? You Roto guys, you know what to do at this point. Your game's capped. Play your good ones. And pick up specialists to attack some of the categories you're lacking. And when I say categories you're lacking, I don't mean the ones that you're necessarily trailing in right now. I mean the ones that you're trailing in by average. So, you know, add... Here's the, the simple way to do it. Go to your league standings if you're in Roto. Find a category you're behind someone in, and then take the average. 
you know, what do you have now? 2,500 rebounds in 500 games played or whatever it is. So that's, you know, it's not an accurate number, but that would be five rebounds per game played. What if there's someone that's up 50 rebounds on you? What if there's someone that's up 100 rebounds on you and they're ahead of you by 21 games played? You'd actually pass them if you didn't do anything different. It looks crazy because when you look at the numbers, you're like, ah, crap, I'm 100 rebounds back. I got to go get some boards. But actually, if you didn't change a thing, you passed them on your very last game played. Average, guys. Roto Games Cap. Average. Find out if you actually need to change the complexion of the players you're trotting out on a nightly basis. People don't do this nearly enough because it takes time, because it's work. Do the work. I, almost every single season since I've been utilizing the average method, been doing it for about five-ish years since the competition in my Roto League's got a lot better. Every single year. I started with only uh, two Roto Leagues, and that's been slowly increasing. So at the beginning, it was a little harder. But it, uh, I, with only two leagues, it couldn't happen in as many places. But because other people weren't doing it at all, then it worked every time. Now, I would say at least one of my cash roto leagues, I gain a spot in the standings because of this method. And going from third to second or second to first, that's usually the difference of hundreds of dollars. Do the work. You've put in so much time on your team to this point. Anyway, follow me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. If you have questions about this streamer stuff, hit me up. I'm trying to do a better job of getting out there and answering questions on Twitter these days. I know it's been tough because it's a sprint of a season, and with betting and handicapping... My time is limited, but I want to try to help you guys out. This is, this is a critical juncture. we got to win some money together, and hopefully if we do that, that means you guys will keep listening to the pod and telling people where you can find me on the social media. Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Google Dan from Hoopball. If you're struggling to find me, spelling the last name. Have a lovely Thursday, everyone. Big streamer show tomorrow. Stay tuned. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.